Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Jacob. I'm honored to be joined today by Kirk Smotty from Stanford the Sident. Kirk, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jacob. Of course. Now this is our second take of doing this due to bad weather here, so hopefully you know this is the only take that we're doing today. So to, uh, to get uh, started, can you tell us a little bit about Stanford the Sident? Sure. Uh, Stanford Silent was started back in 2010 after my wife Laura and I lost our 11-year-old son Ty to suicide due to being bullied at school. Um, Since then, we have traveled all over this country and actually all over the world speaking at schools and communities about bullying and youth suicide. I've uh, done 6,015 in-person presentations. Uh, in the past 13 years and talked to a little over 4 million kids. Wow, that's a lot. Um, sp- uh, speaking of Ty, can you tell us what kind of kid he was and uh, just go from there? Yeah, Ty was a typical boy, you know. He, uh, he loved video games, loved baseball, loved to hunt. Um, but he was, he was a real caring kid, you know, he, he really liked helping other people. We have a, had a 90 uh, year old widow woman that lives down the road from us and her name was Miss Lila. And Ty would always, after school, go down and check on her and do chores for her, uh, you know, pick up pine cones out of her yard so she wouldn't trip on them, uh, take her to, to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, and uh, you know he would—he—he he was just a real, real caring kid. Uh, we had a uh, a neighbor boy that was a Native American uh, young man. He was in third grade. He was really, really small, um, and Ty was small for his age. That's why he was picked on. But you know, Ty. Uh, Ty would stand up for this young man uh, on the bus. The other kids were picking on him, and Ty would get in between them, and Ty would take a beating instead of letting them hurt this this little boy. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was just just a really caring kid. And did he make friends easy? Say that again. Did Ty make like a lot of friends? He uh, like very easy. You know, not really. He had a couple of, of really good friends. Uh, he, Ty was kind of a people pleaser. He always tried to, to please everyone, but, you know, because of his smallness, uh, him being a little guy for his age, uh, you know, a, a lot of the kids just kind of made fun of him and picked on him. Now, um... Can you tell us about that day when Ty um, got picked on and, you know, came home from school? Yeah, um, you know, Ty's mom, Laura, she worked at the school that I went to. And I left for work that morning. I, I, I was a construction worker, and I left for work at 4.30 in the morning. And Ty and Laura left the house a couple hours later to go to the school that that Ty went to and that Laura worked at. Um, You know, he was sitting in the gym with his best friend waiting on class to start. And this main kid that had been picking on him for over two years come up and and started messing with him again. And, you know, I guess he, he finally had enough. He retaliated against the kid for the first time in his life he kid walked up and pushed him and ty turned around and shoved him back and jake it's always the the second guy that gets caught you know the bully gets to plan what he's going to do he looks around and sees where all the teachers are he waits until nobody's looking he goes up and does whatever he's going to do and the victim they they just react well, the, the disturbance drew the teacher's eye. She looked over and didn't see the kid push him. She saw Ty push the kid back. And so he's the one that got in trouble. 
he got sent to the office. He was suspended for three days, and they called his mama, and she went and picked him up and took him home. And they were shorthanded that day at work, and Laura had to go back, so she she told Ty to do his homework and told him told him to do his chores and told him that we were going to talk about it when we got home that evening. And my wife came home at 2.38 p.m. on May 13th. She found out that, that she found out my boy didn't do his homework and, and instead Ty had uh, had killed himself on my bedroom floor. And I got a, a phone call that day at 2.39. Caller ID said it was Laura, so, so I answered. Jacob, she was, and she was just screaming. I mean, just, just screaming. I, I couldn't understand a single word she, she kept trying to say. She, she just screamed and I guess I, I finally screamed back at her. I, I told her, baby, you got to stop. You got to tell me what's going on. And she managed to say he's, he, he's dead. He, he shot himself. I actually asked her who. And she said, Ty. Wow. Um, now, do you think that something could have been, uh, like, which I guess, like, you know, it could have been handled kind of different that day? With like the school, I really truly do, Jacob. I think that if something had have been done, you know, Laura worked at Ty's school. Like I said, she she was in the office almost every single day, uh, trying to get them to to make this kid leave Ty alone. You know, and they always gave her the same answers. You know, boys will be boys, kids will be kids. You know, bullying's just a rite of childhood passage, just something that we all have to go through. You know, and instead of those answers, if something would have actually been done, I think my boy would still be here today. And do you think the reason that schools don't do nothing is because, and they think that kids have to go through bullying like once, like once in their life? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe schools are afraid to punish bullies because it opens up a whole can of worms of, well, this school has a bullying problem. Right. But you know what? I've been to 6,015 schools, and every single school I've ever been to has a bullying problem. It happens everywhere. I've been to big schools in New York City, L.A., Chicago. I've been to little bitty schools in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas. Every single school I've been to has bullying. It's not an embarrassment to admit that we have a problem with bullying in our schools. What's embarrassing is when we don't admit that we have it happening and we don't do anything to stop it. Uh, you know, oh, you're right. Now, now, for the ones that witness it, you know, for the people that witnesses uh, people getting picked on in school, and if they don't say nothing about it, do you think maybe they're more as guilty of not, you know, st like reporting it, or you know, I was, I guess, you know, as you know, I'm, uh, I, was, I guess, you know, it, it, I guess you'd be like, you know. 
if they if they don't report it or or uh, um, uh, like defend that person, do you think that they're guilty as uh, the body is? I think, you know, from my experience talking to all the, the kids in schools that I've spoken with, I think a lot of the issue with the kid reporting bullying is they see that nothing is done after they report it, and then the bully finds out that they tattled, and bullying becomes even worse. The bully comes back at them with a vengeance, you know. Majority of the kids, I have a list of over 67,000 children that we have lost in America in the last seven and a half years to suicide due to bullying. And the majority of those kids, uh, a lot of them, I have met their parents, I have spoken with them, and the majority of them quit telling people about being bullied because it just seems like it makes the bullying get even worse. Now, do you think uh, when kids get picked on and they come home, do you think uh, that there's, um, well, um, we're not, but do you think that there's like a lack of communication between the parents and the kids that's, that's getting like uh, picked on at school? I think that there is a lack of communication between parents and our young people yeah. in our society completely not just about bullying, but about everything. Um, you know, we don't eat dinner around a dinner table as a family anymore. We eat dinner in front of a television set. Um, I was at a restaurant the other night, and I watched a family of four, a mom, a dad, and two children. And they were sitting, waiting on their meal to come, and they weren't talking to each other. They all, every single one of them was on a cell phone just typing away, you know, not even having a conversation with each other. Um, you know, one of the things I do when I do a presentation of an evening for open to the public for parents is I always ask them, how, how many of you ask your children every day how their day was? And boy, the hands go up by the hundreds. And, they, and I'll say, okay, and what do your kids say? Oh, it was fine. It was okay. It was good. And I'll say, and then what? Well, they go to their room and they get on their iPad or their phone and, you know, those kids, that's not communicating, first of all. Those kids are saying, my day was good, my day was fine, it was okay, because they don't think you really care and they don't want to get into that conversation with you. You know, we have to start asking real questions. We've got to, to lead them by the hand into that conversation. We have to say, what good thing happened to you today? What bad thing happened? You know, tell me about your day. We have to talk. We have to learn to communicate with our children again. Our kids have been raised by social media, movies, cartoons, the Internet, you know, we have raised more than one generation of kids now that don't even know what the word empathy means. You know, they they grew up watching cartoons like South Park, where Kenny dies in every episode, Jake. Every single episode that you watch of South Park, Kenny dies, and he comes back tomorrow. Now, what has that just taught our, our young people? That death ain't real, life is cheap, and you get to come back tomorrow. You know, they grew up watching movies with blood and gore. Uh, you know, somebody getting an arm ripped off, and that is numbing them to, to the effects of violence. They grew up playing video games where they get points for killing people. Like, that's a good thing. You know, that is the situation that our society is in. And if we don't learn to communicate with kids again, then where is it going to end? You know, I'll give you another example. We, I've, I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. It's all right. Now, um, oh, I think, uh, the reason to uh, most bullying and you know people 
you know, going to school and doing whatever, it's because of video games. Like the Grand Theft Auto games and all of that. Uh, which I think they play so, you know, so many of them that they just get it in their head that, hey, you know, maybe I could do this and do that. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I grew up in a little town in Oklahoma, and I graduated high school in 1983, and every single male student in our high school drove a pickup truck and we had a rifle rack with a shotgun and a rifle in the back window we didn't even lock our vehicle you know those set out in the parking lot while we were in school never one single time did any of us ever even think about going out and getting one of those guns and coming in and shooting up a school you know it, it wasn't even a thought what has changed in our society where we have people that, that are taking firearms into a school and, and killing just masses of people. You know, I think it's because of the video games and social media and the Internet, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, that being said, you know, we are very connected as a society. Look at you and I. We're having this discussion miles and miles apart. I can talk to you if you were in Japan. You know, we can see each other. We can talk in real time to each other. Everything we want to know is right here on our cell phones. At, at you know, at the click of a button, we can we can access information and research anything. And for being so connected as a society. We're very disconnected when we get face to face and talk in person. Oh, yeah, you're and that's right. going back to that communication gap that we have to solve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but you're, but you're right. You know. Um, the next uh, question is, um, of course, uh, what you said that there's um, like thousands of kids that's taken their life. Um, do you think that? Um, I see. Um, Oh, is I lost my train of thought now? Um, oh, was the, let me see. Okay, the next question is, and how many kids have taken their life due to, uh, you know, being picked on at school? Well, uh, I don't have an exact number because I don't know of all of them. All right, you yeah. know, we, we daily are hearing of more and more. Um, I do have a list that has over 67,000 children on it and that has happened in the last seven and a half years now if you do a little bit of math that that comes out to almost 23 kids a day that's almost one every hour you know i i recently heard of a, a young girl that was 14 years old out in california that they they found her hanging in her high school she had taken her own life in school you know we recently had a six-year-old boy took a gun to school and shot his teacher in the chest. Now, the teacher lived, but a six-year-old boy took a gun and shot a teacher in the chest. And do you know that young man's family is suing the school? It's crazy. And, um... And if I'm not uh, wrong, oh, it's, I think that happened here in my state. I think it did. But, yeah, you know, I, and, you know, when I heard that, I'm like, you know, what is a six-year-old doing with a gun? Exactly. You know? Why Why does that child have access to a firearm? Right, yeah. You know, even if it, it was in his house and his mom and dad didn't know, apparently, that he took it, it was stored improperly. That child should not have had access to that firearm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for those who are uh, watching or listening to this, and how can we help prevent uh, f uh, uh, kids from getting bullied at school, or how can we help? Well, there's a lot of ways people can get involved and help, Jake. Um, you know, we allow people and and schools and communities to start chapters of Stand for the Silent. And what a chapter of Stand for the Silent is, it's a place that kids that are being bullied feel like they can belong. 
you know, they can come and they can talk about their problems with other people that have been there and that have, that, that, that kind of thing has happened to. Um, and it's not just for kids being picked on. We, we've got a lot of chapters that have bullies that join them that say, you know what, I didn't realize that what I was doing could cause the kind of thing that happened to your son and I want to stop and I want to help you make it stop. And some of the bullies that join our chapters are some of our biggest warriors, you know, they're, they're our biggest supporters. But, you know, it gives a child a chance to, to feel like their voice is being heard, uh, that they matter. It empowers them, you know, when, when they stand up for other children that are being picked on, then it makes their problems seem so much smaller and they feel more empowered. And, well, I see a lot of growth in the kids that join our chapters that just really, you know, uh, they may come to the first couple of chapter meetings and their shoulders are slumped and they're looking down at the ground and they won't meet your eye. And, man, by the time they've been there a few times and they get a little bit of confidence and they, they realize that what they're doing is making a difference, boy, those shoulders come back and that chin comes up. and You can just see the change come over. You know, and it's, it's really, really enlightening, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be at a school. Anyone can start a chapter of Stamp the Silent Aid. Uh, the information on how to do that is, is on our website. You go to the drop down and click on four schools, uh, scroll down, and there, there's a place that says start a chapter. Click on that, and you can download and print out the information. And I'm willing to help anybody that wants to do that in their community. Uh, we got to get the, the message out into the general public of how bad this has gotten, you know, because if we don't start doing that now, if it's gotten this bad just in the last 10 to 15 years, how much worse is it going to be in another 10 years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, people can also, um, people can also help, uh, uh, help stand for the sign up by donating or ordering merch from the store, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we have all kinds of t-shirts and hoodies and baseball caps for men and women. Uh, we got beanies. We've got all kinds of bling and uh, stuff, you know, to help spread our message. Uh, we've got tumblers with our pledge on it, coffee mugs that are actually really awesome. I need to send you one. <laughs> They hold 16 ounces. They're real nice and heavy. And, and uh, yeah, you name it, it's probably on there. And we're always adding new products, trying to get people to, to help spread our message. You know, we we have a uh, an actress on our board of directors. Her name is Ksenia Solo. And maybe a lot of people might not know her by her name, but a lot of people would probably recognize her if they see her. Uh, she was in Lost Girls. She was in uh, the the series about Benedict Arnold. Turn. Uh, uh, she was Benedict Arnold's uh, girlfriend in that. She was in White Swan. Um, but anyway, Ksenia is an amazing young lady. Uh, she's on our board of directors. She's highly supportive of what we do. But she wears our wristbands that say I am somebody on them when she goes to, to do interviews with TV and radio stations and anywhere. Um, and then she writes SFTS on the back of her hand. And she'll sit there like this with her hand in front of her, you know, with that, that SFTS written on the back. And the whoever's interviewing the host will eventually go, well, what is that? What's that mean? What's what's SFTS? Why is it written on your hand? And that gives her that opening to say, ah, let me tell you about Stand for the Silent. You know, I mean, we have so many different amazing supporters. We've had uh, WWE professional wrestlers. Rowdy Roddy Piper got involved with us before he passed and was spreading our message far and wide. Uh, big show from WWE. We've had a tiny Lister that was an uh, ex NFL football player, and he he played the bully in in Debo. Uh, you know, in Fridays. Uh, you know, you name it. We've had had so many different people. 
we met with Lady Gaga, you know, we met with the President uh, Barack and Michelle Obama in the White House. We've we've got so many different people wanting to support, but you know what, Jacob? It takes people like you, people like you, to get this message out nonstop. Absolutely. And uh, that goes to my next question. And what was it like meeting a Roddy Piper? What was it like meeting Roddy Piper? Yeah. Roddy Piper? Yeah. Oh, that man is amazing. Or he was. Roddy passed away several years ago. Um, I, I went out to L.A. to be at his memorial after he passed. You know, he, he contacted us and he said... Kirk, I, I got to get involved with what you're doing. He said, uh, you know, I really want to help Stanford Asylum. And I said, dude, you're, you're a bully. And he said, man, he said, no. He said, that's what everybody thinks. He said, that's an act I, I, I had. You know, he said, that's, that's not really me, though. He said, I love people. And he said, I dang sure love kids. And he said, when I die, I don't want the world to remember me as a bad guy, as a bully. He said, because I do love people. And he said, I do love children. And he said, I, I want to help. And my wife, Laura, went before she passed and before Rowdy passed, we got together in a little bitty coffee shop out in Los Angeles. We went out there to visit with him and, and talk to him and you know, he was just such a genuine, caring guy. We had a homeless man that walked into that coffee shop. He, he was walking past it, and he looked in, and he sat, saw Rowdy Roddy sitting there talking to Laura and I. And he came in, and he stood by our table, and he didn't say anything. And Rowdy finally looked up at him, and he goes, you know, what's going on? Can I help you? And the guy said, man, are, are you Mr. Piper? And Rowdy said, yeah. And he said... I'm sorry to bother you, and I, I don't mean to intrude, but he said, you know, I just want you to know how much I respect you and how, how much I've always looked up to you. And Rowdy talked to him for 20 minutes, you know. I mean, he just, he really loved people, and he was such a caring guy. He would always wear our Stand for the Silent T-shirts when he was traveling. He, that way people would ask him, what's that, on his, you know, about his T-shirt when he's in the airports and stuff. And, you know, did so many different campaigns and interviews for us, and we just couldn't thank him enough. I really miss his powerful voice and presence. You know, he, he really helped us a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, um, now, do you think, um, of, of course, when we talked about this uh, um, the other day before we had to do take two, um, um, do you think that, um, that voting will ever end? If not, then do you think that people can get together and try to prevent it from happening in, uh, uh, like in their community? You know, Jacob, one month and seven days after my baby killed himself, I, it was on Father's Day and I made Ty a promise that day. I promised Ty that I was going to stop bullying in this world. And I have never in my life broke a promise to that boy. Not one. Will bullying ever completely end? I doubt it. I don't think so. There is always going to be someone that wants to prove that they're bigger, smarter, faster, stronger, prettier, richer, more athletic than someone else. But I do think that we can and we have made some serious inroads into curbing it and making it, slowing it down and making it unacceptable. And, you know, if we all continue working towards that and when we see it happening to others, we got to speak up about it and we got to use that voice and say, hey, stop, leave him alone. 96% of the time, if one bystander will speak up Bullying stops within 10 seconds. Does not mean that the same person's not going to bully you tomorrow. But it will stop that time within 10 seconds, 96% of the time if one person speaks up. And if we continue to do that, 
every time we see it happen, then it becomes an unacceptable behavior, you know? I think a lot of times the bystanders are afraid to use their voice. They're afraid to say, stop, leave him alone, because then they're afraid that the bully will turn on them and that they'll become the victim of bullying. But there are more bystanders than there are bullies. And if we all stick together and we all say, hey, leave him alone, and somebody else chimes in and says, yeah, leave him alone, and then somebody else and somebody else, the bully becomes outnumbered. And then, you know, they figure out, hey, maybe I ought not be this way. Yeah. Now, um, do you think the reason that people pick on other kids at school is because that it makes them feel big and makes the other per- a person feel kind of small? I think there are a lot of reasons that, that bullies do what they do. Um, some of them are to make themselves feel bigger, prettier, faster, stronger, smarter, whatever about themselves. Uh, some of the bullies that I've spoken with, they were bullied, maybe at home, uh, by an older sibling, maybe by an upperclassman, maybe by their own mom and dad. And I have what I call my kick the dog theory. Um, I go to work and I'm bullied by my boss. And I come home and I take it out on my wife and my children. I treat them the way he treated me. And then the kid, he walks outside and he kicks the dog because that's the only person down farther on the food chain than him, you know. It's a way to pass that pain on to someone else. But that doesn't really work. It doesn't ever go away that way, Jacob. I mean, maybe we think it's going to, but it doesn't. All you're doing is causing someone else irreparable harm, irreparable pain. Bullying is devastating. You know, I did a, a presentation a while back for 300 high school counselors. And during the presentation, I asked, how many of you in this room right now have ever been picked on or bullied? And out of 300 people in the, in the room, I bet 280 had their hand in the ear. And I said, okay, leave your hand up. I said, if you were bullied within the last five years, put your hand down. If you were bullied within the last 10 years, put your hand down. If you were bullied in the last 15, put your hand down. 20, 30, 40. I had a lady that still had her hand in the air that was bullied 40 years ago. Wow. And I said, ma'am, you were bullied 40 years ago and you can still remember it? And she said, like it was yesterday. She said, I can tell you exactly what the bully was wearing i can tell you exactly how it made me feel i can tell you everything about that moment 40 years ago this lady was bullied and it had affected her life to the point that she could not forget exactly every aspect of what happened to her on at that moment now that's what you call life changing. Oh yeah. Now, now, which has there been any kids that came up to you and said that they was afraid to go to school because when someone you know said that they was going to you know you know was I guess I don't know you know has anybody ever been came up to you and said hey you know I'm afraid to go to school because of a bully? Sure. I, I hear that an, an awful lot, actually. I get messages and emails from kids and parents all the time that say, you know, my, I don't, I don't want to go to school because, because of, of being bullied or, or my child doesn't want to go to school because of being bullied. And, you know, Jacob, on average, 160,000 children a day in America miss school because of the fear of being bullied. 160,000 kids a day in our country miss school because of the fear of being bullied. That's crazy. Um, and as there's, been, of, of course, um, 
of course, you go to all of these schools. And has there been a story that you've heard that, that really impacted your life? Uh, I had a... I was doing a presentation here in Oklahoma at a school, and we did the presentation in a gymnasium. And after I do these, a lot of times... Well, not that's a lie. It's not a lot of times. It's every time after I finish a presentation, the kids just come down front, you know, down on the gym floor, down to the front of the auditorium. And they just want to talk. You know, a lot of them are crying. They want to hug. They want to connect. They want to just talk to you. And after I finished this presentation in this gymnasium, I watched all these kids come pouring down. They wanted to hug. They wanted to talk. And, and I watched a young lady over on the corner of the gym floor, and she had a Native American young man by the hand, and she was dragging him towards me across the gym, gym floor, just pulling him. And she waited and, until the, the crowd cleared out a little bit, and she finally made her way to the front and talked to me, and she said, I want to thank you. And I said, for what, sugar? And she said, I am a senior and she said ever since my first day as a freshman in this school she said this guy right here has bullied me every single day and he was nodding his head just and and she said as soon as you got done speaking just a, a few minutes ago she said he came and found me and he walked up and he said i'm sorry I'm sorry for all of the stuff I've done to you, and I will never, ever do any of that again. I'm done. You know, those are the changes that we can create in these young people. Most of our kids are caring kids. Most of them are good kids. Some of them are just get on the wrong path, you know? Yeah. Now, do you think, uh, the reason that people goes to school and pick on other kids is because it happens at home. Maybe they get abused at home and then they go to school and take their anger out on other people. I think that that happens a lot. You know, I don't... You can't say that every single bully does what they do for this reason or that reason or the other reason. They all have their own, right. you know... MO and, and their own reasons but I think a lot of it is you know starting at home um, you know bullying is a learned thing we're not born to hate people we're born with nothing but love and hatred is a learned thing you know it's it's take for instance racism racism is the form of bullying you know where do kids learn to be racist? They learn it at their in, at home. Mom and dad, you know, are obviously being racist, and they pick that up. Kids are like little seeds, you know. They that they, they they hear and learn everything that you say, even when you think they're not listening. And you know, I, I do. I think that a lot of, of bullies learn that behavior at home in the native american culture there is a lot of what i call generational bullying you know grandma and grandpa bullied this family so mom and dad bully that same family so now i'm expected to bully that same family and my kids will bully their that family's kids you know and if we can break that chain for one generation one cycle and we raise our children not to do that, then think of all the people that we affect down through the course of history. Yeah. Now, for people that wants to get in contact with you or probably book you to come speak at their school, and how can they do that? Sure. Um, go to our website, standforthesilent.org. Um, there is a form there that that you can actually send via email that has host a presentation and you just fill out your name, your email address, uh, where you're located, uh, how you heard about us usually, you know, that kind of thing. And it comes directly to me. Um, 
I will answer and I actually put you in touch with my schedule coordinator and you know here's the deal I get a lot of parents that say hey I want you to come talk to my kids school and I'd love to I would go I literally go anywhere that I'm invited but I have to work with someone that works at the school to schedule the presentation. I can't just call the school and say, hey, I'm going to be there Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I want all your kids in the gym. I'm going to do a presentation. It doesn't work that way. So if you're a parent listening and you want me to come and talk to your, your kid's school, you have to get someone from the school. Usually a counselor is a good place to start, an assistant principal, a principal, or a trusted teacher. If one of those people can invite me, we will schedule it and we'll make it happen. Um, we do not charge, but that's one of the first things a school is going to ask. How much do they charge? Um, we don't charge anything. We will go anywhere that we are invited without charge to speak to kids and save lives. Now, when you do go to speak, do they uh, give you like any money? Like, you know, um, let's see you go and speak and then, you know, you see you don't charge. Do they give you money anyways? We do have some of the schools and community organizations that donate to Stanford Silent to help cover our expenses. When we go to a school or a community, we give every child we speak to one of our wristbands that says, I am somebody. We give pledge cards to each of the kids. So that's a constant reminder of the promise that they're making to help us and help themselves stop bullying and, and treat each other with respect. We leave tons of printed material at school, resources for not only the school and the students, but also for parents. We leave all kinds of good stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we definitely will accept donations. We will never turn that down. It helps us keep doing what we do. Um, but I'd move feet to come. Uh, don't let money stand in the way of us coming. All right. Now, um, now, um, before we did this interview, was I sent out a um, a text to some people, um, you know, that watches this interview, and they sent me some questions via our mailbag. And one question is, how can a parent detect if a child may be bullied? How can a parent do what? Uh, the question is, how can a how can a parent uh, detect if a child may be bullied? Okay, one of the ways uh, that a parent can can find out if the kids are being bullied. First and foremost, ask them. You know, hey, are you being picked on at school? Um, a lot of times, you have to. Again, we go back to that communicating with our kids. Do we have to lead them by the hand? You know, we have to come right out and ask them you know i recommend that parents ask their children if they've ever thought about suicide and do they have a plan because one out of four of our children in america right now actually has a plan on how they would kill themselves before they graduate from high school those are conversations we need to have when we have those high of numbers when 25 percent of our babies has a plan it's time we learn to talk about it but yeah, you know, ask them, come right out and talk and say, it's okay, you can tell me. You know, um, some of the signs that some children exhibit, and again, not every kid is the same and not all kids are gonna exhibit any signs of being bullied. Um, they may start giving away some of their favorite items. They they may get real moody, have have huge mood swings. If your child is always happy and and you know smiling, and all of a sudden you know they're sad and they they uh, don't want to be around people, uh, you know, faking illness, trying my tummy hurts. I don't want to go to school. You know, a lot of kids use you know a. a I'm sick, I don't want to go. You know, if, if your child has always liked school and then all of a sudden for some reason they're, they're finding reasons not to go to school, they're probably being picked on pretty bad. You know, those are all signs that some kids exhibit, you know, but again, some kids don't, don't tell anybody. Right. Uh, the next question in the mailbag says, the person and who is the bully 
if they are found out to be the body, what does a school do to the body that is called, and what is the punishment? Various states have various laws on school bullying. Um, you know, so it really, you can't just give a stock answer there that covers, uh, you know, and blankets every state. Um, a lot of times, you know, in, in a lot of states, severe bullying will uh, lead to suspension of the bully. Um, they're suspended from school for a period of time. I've seen some schools completely expel bullies and not let them come back. Um, you know, some schools don't do anything, sadly, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you, you just kind of have to, to look at that on a state-by-state state, uh, case. Um, there is a website called the Bully Police com and they have a list of all the different laws for every state that has a law that deals with bullying so that, that's a good resource for parents that that can can actually tell you you know you can type in I'm in Nebraska and and you know this is what their law is on bullying and stuff. All, right. all right the next question is on what percentage of kids actually go through with uh, uh, the, uh, okay, what percentage of kids actually follow through with uh, the plan? What percentage of kids actually has a plan? Is that what you're saying? Uh, what the question is, and uh, what percentage of kids? Uh, uh, what percentage of the kids can actually follow through with a uh, committing suicide? Well, like I told you a little bit ago, I mean, one out of four of our children has a plan on how they would take their own life before they graduate from high school so that comes out to 25 percent um, of our of our children and you know i think if i remember yeah the the youngest one on that list of sixty-seven thousand children i told you about was a six-year-old boy you know uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death in our young people in america now ages 10 to 24 years old it's second only to car wrecks um, you know, that ought to, ought to tell you how serious this issue has become in our society now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, that's all the questions from the mailbag. You know, it was only a few questions. But my question is, do, uh, do you think the schools uh, should get like a bullying program or a class to, uh, to oh, I guess, to help? You know... Uh, I think that we need some life lessons taught in schools. I really truly do. Um, you know how to treat others, how to how to be respectful. You know, I see so many different young people in this world now that have a lot of disrespect. Uh, they don't listen in class. They don't listen to an adult. They talk back. They act out. You know nobody's going to tell me what to do nobody you know that kind of thing um and i think that, that, that yeah we we need some kind of a a life lesson class on on empathy and how to treat each other and you know respect i know it may not be necessarily a school's job to teach those type of things they're supposed to teach reading writing and arithmetic but when parents don't teach their children that type of thing someone has to you know oh yeah and maybe we should include some of that in our curriculum alright um, that's all the questions I have and so do you got any closing thoughts no not really Jacob I, I just really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and, and you taking the time to have me on here Jake and and you know uh, I just hope everybody will will take this message to heart and, and spread it you know you could have told me my, my boy took his own life 4,716 days ago and you could have told me that Ty was fixing to kill himself on that day and I would not have believed you but we never know you That's know true. 
I'm sure everybody that's listening has social media and all of us have seen the, the saying, you never know what someone else is going through in life, so be kind always. And that's so true. It is. It is so very true. You know, kindness doesn't cost anything. And this world is tough enough. We all have have problems and we all just want to be happy and live a good life and raise good children and let them raise good grandbabies and keep going, you know? And life's too short to spend it hurting others. And, you know, let's just be kind to each other. Let's just help each other out. We can all win. I promise you we can. Well, um, and before we go, I'm going to tell you this story that happened a few days ago. Uh, we went out to eat at this restaurant, and my aunt was wearing a stand for the silent T-shirt. And uh, this person that worked there came out, and she seen the shirt, and she said, "I respect that shirt." So uh, we know. I thought I was, you know, kind of share that with you. So you know, people knows about it um, about standing for the said, Well. Uh, well, that person did anyways. But, uh, you know, they came at it, and they said, I respect your shirt. So, uh, so yeah, I said, well, you know, you know, at least someone knows about standing for the site. Sure. And see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. When people buy a T-shirt or a, a coffee mug or, or a hat or something like that, they're spreading our message, and somebody else sees that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, Kirk, I was want to thank you for coming on the podcast, and might have you back on in the future. You know, who knows? Uh, so, um, so that's it for this episode. Make sure to tune in next week, April seventeenth, uh, for another episode of Conversations with Jacob. Uh, make sure to make sure to follow us on social media, and uh, until then, be safe, God bless, and we'll catch you in the next episode.